protecting our local ecosystem. We're here along the lakeshore looking out at so many beautiful native grasses and trees. But what kind of plants restore nutrients to the soil? Which ones can we eat? And how do we make sure the plants and animals along the lakeshore stay healthy? Indigenous communities like the Potawatomi, Odawa, Chippewa, and Ojibwe, they've been studying and using local plants for generations. And conservationists rely on that valuable experience and knowledge. So joining us now to discuss is Adam Kessel, an ethnobotanist who looks for fun ways to teach indigenous science to kids. He's also an author and a program coordinator at the Forest Preserves of Cook County. Welcome to Reset, Adam. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. So here we are. We're right along Lake Michigan. Talk about some native plant species that we can find right around here. Right. Um, So right around Lake Michigan, in addition to the beautiful native plants that are here on the lakeshore, I also am remiss to mention that the Cook County Forest Preserves has loads of native plants um, throughout our the land holdings. It's over 70,000 acres, so listeners might not know that the Forest Preserves of Cook County is the biggest and oldest forest preserve system in the nation right here wow. in Cook County. That's incredible. Um, so talking about the native plants along the lakeshore, I mean, there's Loads of native plants that do a lot around healing the waters. So as we talk about native plants, we also need to talk about Lake Michigan, right? Yes. So these things live in relationship. And when we talk about indigenous conservation efforts, it's really exploring the relationship between plants, animals, water, Mm -hmm. and of course us and how we're interconnected in those relationships. Yeah. Well, let's get into some specifics because I know you worked on gardening with your students. And and one thing that you've had to do was find plants that can restore nutrients to the soil, uh, which can be depleted or even toxic here in Chicago. So what kind of plants did you use for that project? Right. So the process um, of using plants to remediate the soil, it's called phytoremediation. Okay. Right. So using plants to remove some of the toxins in the soil. Um, That's important because as we talk about medicinal plants or edible plants, right, one of those things is that these plants are not ready for us. First, they're going to heal the soil before they're ready to heal our human community, right? Um, so being able to be in touch with the land and be in relationship with the land and understand when is it that right time to do that work, if whether it's harvesting or not harvesting. Um, but also thinking about how are we managing the lands that are closest to us. So our backyards, our community gardens, how are we introducing native plants into those places? And there's programs like the Conservation at Home program that do that. Um, that are offered through the forest preserves. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about foraging. What are some plants that we can eat? <laughs> so so the, the rule of thumb with foraging is you can eat anything once, right? So think about that. Okay. So really it's important to know that we need to be, it's, it's, it's about a school of thought and about understanding that not everything's here for us to take, right? Um, some really interesting plants, like in my book, I really focused on non-native species, right? The plants that are everywhere, that are in the yards, in our parkways, growing through the cracks in the sidewalk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an example would be like dandelion. Everybody knows dandelion, right? It kind of gets a bad rap because it's that yeah. plant that's <laughs> in your front yard, and you're like, oh, my yard's <laughs> full of dandelions. But really the story of that plant is what's important, right? That plant was brought here. It's not native to the to Americas, right? It was brought here because it was edible and it was medicinal. Okay. <laughs> so with that, um, you know, you got to focus on the stories of how these plants got here as a vehicle to build a relationship with the with this place and understand the uh, local environment here. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, a lot of us are used to having a, a green, grassy lawn. 
But are there, are there better things that we should be growing in our yards, like maybe some native plants? Absolutely. So we have, we, we have a lot of green space, but when we start looking at neighborhoods, um, what green spaces we have might not be that big. So what are we doing with them? Mm-hmm. You can think about planting edible prairie gardens. There's lots of edible prairies. We can look at berry trees, right? Gooseberry is a great example of a native bush that uh, yields a berry that tastes a lot like uh, like a, a Sour Patch Kid, I think, would be one of those references, right? Kind of sweet and sour. See, so you should check out Gooseberry. Yeah. But um, that's, that's some of the excitement, right? So we're not foraging in the forest preserves, but we're looking at how we're managing the spaces that we have access to to increase not only those native plants for our consumption, but then that grows our habitat, right? And these habitats then become places for plants and animals. Mm-hmm. And it really creates a, allows us to be climate resilient because we're planting plants that help with cleaning the soil, yeah. providing food for wildlife, um, and for us. Yeah. Well, as a botanist, I'm curious what you're most worried about for our, our local ecosystem. So, I mean... In terms of when you're paying attention to the land, right, and we're talking about climate change, we're seeing shifting climactic zones, right? So plants move. Plants naturally move in the environment. But we're seeing, like, even in southern Cook County, plants that live there are now beginning to move. And when you're living close and and paying attention to these changes, these are things that would be indicators of climate change um, and things that are on our radar. Yeah, well, you know what? Speaking of climate change, let's go to a question we have from our audience here. Uh, this one's from Gary. They're asking, how has climate change impacted biodiversity in Lake Michigan? Well, um, I'm not an aquatic biologist, but I can speak to the fact that as we see um, the lake is changing, right? We've seen shifting lake levels. Um, but what we can look at is as these things happen, what are the natural remedies for filtering the water and keeping the lake healthy and how do we build habitat in the lake and um, wetlands really have been an essential part of the health of Lake Michigan Mm -hmm. and our Chicago our Chicago River used to flow the southern branch used to flow into a massive wetland right before the the Cal Sag Canal was there the the ship and sanitary canal was there yeah Um, so reintroducing wetlands as a measure to help improve our water quality here in Chicago I mean our listeners uh, if you think about Lake Michigan as being this thing, we all have a relationship with it. Quite literally, Lake Michigan is in all of us. If we turn on our tap water and that you drink true. that water, that's Lake Michigan water. If you're in a, a suburb of Chicago, chances are you're drinking Lake Michigan water. So really, our health is deeply connected to the health of that water. Yeah. Another question from the crowd. Uh, you can eat cattails, right? And use them as building materials? There's lots of uses for cattails. Um, early cattails can be eaten when they get later in, in the growing season. Yeah. Not so much. Um, but, yes, cattails yeah. is one of those. This is Reese Adams, Sasha Ann Simons. We're broadcasting live from Shed Aquarium. We're talking about native plants and indigenous conservation techniques with Adam Kessel. He organizes teaching events for the Forest Preserves of Cook County. He also writes books about native plants. So, Adam, your background is Lakota and Italian-American. Talk more about the indigenous community here in Chicago, because there are so many represented here. Yeah, so um, Chicago is an incredibly diverse and vibrant native community right here. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago's home to the oldest urban American Indian center in the country, 
This was founded in the early 1950s during uh, federal policies of termination and relocation where folks were being bussed into urban centers like Oakland and Chicago, uh, Phoenix. So that was kind of the prompt. Now, Chicago, even predating that, was always a hub. It was always a metropolis for Native people, um, partly because our waterways and our vast diversity and ecosystems, right? So we have wetlands, we have... uh, we, we have forests and prairies. We have all these different places that were sources of food, of medicine, um, and the wildlife that go along with that. So it was always a very tribally diverse community here, um, even before Chicago looked as yeah. though it does today. What are some ways that indigenous knowledge has shaped other conservation efforts? Right. So if we're thinking about uh, conservation efforts across the country, um, fire ecology. Fire ecology is something that uh, Native people used. Um, we used for, for centuries in terms of using it to, to fertilize the land, and it's still one of the most effective land management tools that the Forest Preserve um, uses today. Yes. So in addition to that actual practice, also talking in terms of how we're caring for the land, right? So land management, when we use that word, it seems like a top-down approach, right? like we're going to do all these things right. and expect a response from the land. Um, indigenous conservation efforts looks at the interconnectedness. How are we kind of working in rhythm with, with the land and responding to it? You know, How are we looking at the changing levels of Lake Michigan as an opportunity to increase wetland habitat, you know, as opposed to um, loss of beaches, right? So how are we framing this conversation and then um, responding to it? I'm curious how you first started learning about native plants. Well, I I moved to Chicago to go to school to be a teacher. So I went to National Lewis right downtown across from the Art Institute. And on a whim, I moved a few blocks away from the American Indian Center. So I knew stories of that place and riding my bike. I started volunteering and went from teaching music to uh, being a part of a pretty amazing um, project to design culturally based science curriculum in uh, the community here in Chicago and on the Menominee Reservation in northern Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why do you think it's important, Adam, to focus on teaching these lessons to our kids, the next generation? I think that they're the generation that's going to look to the land um, for for the answers that we might not have, right? They're going to come in and, and look to see that these natural spaces not only have to be cared for now, but have to grow. And our biggest asset, right, in mm-hmm. Chicago is our diversity. Whether we're talking about the diversity of plants or diversity of people, this is one of our most important elements. And, and here we have Lake Michigan with its own biodiversity, our ecology with our own biodiversity. Yeah. These are important points, and, and I think that being out in the land helps to teach those lessons. You know, before I let you go, we have to talk about your books okay. because they're beautiful. They're picture <laughs> books. Uh, they pack in a lot of plant species, right? They're beautifully, beautifully illustrated. One of your books, it's called Zombie Gardening. It's, yes. a, it's a playful survival guide for, for what we might do during a zombie apocalypse. Talk more about that, please. <laughs> right. Um, so I am uh, guilty as a big uh, comic book lover, and uh, zombies certainly fall into that. And I was interested in how I could use the urgency around zombies to uh, kind of prompt people to think differently about the presence of these plants mm-hmm. and their uses. So that prompted the zombie gardening. So what are the plants that you would need that would be growing in your backyard to get through 
a zombie apocalypse. That's so cool. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, and it works. It yeah. works. <laughs> Do you have any events coming up that you want, uh, you know, for folks to know about where they can learn more from you? Yeah, so we'll have, uh, for the Forest Preserves, we're going to have a fitness hike this Saturday at Yankee Woods. Um, that's on the south side. And then we have loads of other events that um, all of your listeners can check out on fpdcc.com. You love what you do, don't you? I do. I absolutely do. It's the, the fun of bringing joy of nature spaces to everyone. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adam Kessel is an ethnobotanist. He organizes events for the Forest Preserves of Cook County. He writes books for kids about indigenous knowledge of plants, and his books include Zombie Gardening and his latest Tales of the Plant Guardians. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.